So today I'm going to talk about a further explanation of one of the most controversial talks I've given. So in the past I had this talk about the answers are not within, the answers are actually external. Okay, and I've gotten a tremendous amount of comments on both sides. I've gotten people personally contacting me, I've gotten texts about it, people either loving it or people uh, vigorously disagreeing with me. So let me just recap real quick what I said. I basically said, we live in a world where the main message you hear is that the answers are within, go inside yourself. You know, if you're talking to someone who's more quote unquote hippie or new age, they'll say, you know, universe is within us and um, even in pop culture, you hear this all the time. And I said, look, I'm going to call BS on it. Okay. I didn't say it exactly like that. I'm recapping it. I'm going to call. I always tell everybody around me, you can believe anything and argue anything with me, but you got to bring some evidence, right? The world is moved forward by people who have evidence. You can't just say the world's flat. If I bring better evidence that the world's round, if I bring you a satellite picture, then you have to give in and say, okay, this seems to be more accurate. The world seems to be round. For thousands of years, people said the world's flat. People said the sun revolves around the moon and it, I mean, around the earth. And if you argued with them, they had some basic evidence, not a lot, right? But then somebody came along and had more powerful evidence. So in the same way, I want to just lay a ground rule for this conversation before we go too far. If you're listening to this and you're going to disagree with what I say, that's great. I love disagreements. In fact, I was telling somebody, you know, there's a famous saying called in the Proverbs, it says, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend, meaning we are sharpened by our peer group, by people saying, hey, I don't know if I believe in this. And I always say, as long as it's not mean-spirited, feel free to disagree with me. I do not have all the answers. And I don't know that any one person does on this planet. You know, if you know my story back when I was 16, I wrote my grandfather, Charles, and I was like, you're the smartest person I know. Can you give me all the answers to life's hard questions? And he wrote me back and he said, Ty, sorry, I can't help you. No one person probably has all the answers. So again, as I get into this, please keep that framework in mind. All right. So when I say I'm calling BS on people, what I'm saying is I'm asking you to present real evidence. So for example, my contention, my point is that if you look around you in the world, everything that you appreciate, everything that makes your life amazing in the modern world, whether it be the fact that you can get in a car crash, break your leg and be fine. You can cut yourself with a knife and not get infected because we understand about germs and washing it out with soap. You can understand, uh, we know that when a woman gives birth, that the doctor should wash his hands and disinfect. Now we take that for granted, but that 100, 200 years ago, the number one cause of death for women was giving birth. We've moved forward through a process that is not people going inward. Okay, and the definition of inward is, you know, you sit in a room and you kind of contemplate and the next thing you know, you come up with e equals MC squared. Now, I had a friend point out to me, he said, what about Nikola Tesla? This is a guy that was a great inventor. He came up with ideas nobody had ever had. And I just went to the Nikola Tesla page online and I cut and pasted to my friend the truth about Nikola Tesla. The truth was... He read a lot and had a photographic memory. The truth was he had a mathematician professor who influenced him deeply. The truth was he partnered with Edison, one of the great inventors of all time. The truth was he, you know, was one of the best students in university learning. He learned more than almost any student, the, his, his chancellor said, of, of president of his school. So in that case, Tesla learned from external sources. Pablo Picasso, we would think this great artist, he just came from within and this art did. And of course, in a sense it did, but study. Pablo Picasso was one of the most studied people. Look at Mozart, we would think, the musician. Look at Tiger Woods, the golf player. Uh, his father was teaching him 
He was golfing at one years old. How do you learn English? How do you learn any language? You never learn it from within. Never one person has been born on a desert island like Lord of the Flies and magically taught themselves English. You won't. You won't magically teach yourself to understand that there's germs. It doesn't happen. It's coming from outside. So let's take this to its logical extension. The power for you in today's world is to go out more. Go outward. Be more humble. It's funny. I've, I've been accused of, of this way of thinking that I'm, that I'm talking about of going external is not humble. It's much more humble to say that I am just a human. And no matter how much I go within, the odds of me finding truth is very, very low. But if I go without and I download the consciousness and the knowledge and the experience of thousands of generations of people's uh, thousands of years, I mean, it is in a sense thousands of generations if you study evolution, but just let's say modern world, thousands of years of knowledge. Imagine what can be in your brain. If you say, I don't have to figure out all of physics because some other people have helped me. It's like Sir Isaac Newton said, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. That's why I look so tall, right? I Now, I, I wanna be clear because here's where I think people get a little confused on what I'm saying. Two points, number one, there are very, very, very rare people who are born every four or 500 years. Um, who kind of are so innately talented that they come up with a lot more original ideas than you and I, okay, will ever uh, come up with. So those people, in a sense, maybe ideas come from within them, but it's very rare. If you look at maybe the smartest person, uh, who has lived, and I'm not talking about book smart, but a person who's advanced civilization. Take a guy like Stephen Hawking. Take a guy like Einstein. These people had immense training from other people. And of course, they took that immense training and built upon it. So the way that I feel that we should go is that we should look externally for a huge amount of our knowledge. And if we're lucky, if we're talented, if we have this innate gift, maybe we can take some of that that we learned externally from other people, whether they be books, whether they be uh, formal training, whether they be uh, from mentors, from uh, people we ran across. We could take their ideas and kind of recombine them into our own idea. But the way where we get the raw materials to come up with ideas come from the external. Now, I was talking to a friend, very smart friend of mine, and he disagreed with me, which is great, right? But I said, where's some evidence? Who is the person that you would say formed, uh, just kind of born on a desert island and just magically came up with all these great ideas just from looking within? And he pointed out, let's say, Buddha. Now, uh, this is a hard one at some level. If you go back too far, we don't know the history. You know, it's like pointing out Robin Hood. We don't even know if Robin Hood was a single person. He might be a, a mythical story that's an amalgamation of many people. So it's a very hard, if that's your one piece of evidence, I would say, eh, maybe you're right. But if I point to you 100 people, and you only point to me one, it's a statistical anomaly. It's almost not worth bringing up. And especially if you have to go back 3,000 years to find somebody. We don't even know any. Imagine if you ever play the story telephone. Imagine, you know, where you tell different things and whisper in your ears and you go around and around. Imagine how inaccurate our true story. We don't know if Buddha came up with it all on his own. We don't even know if Buddha was one person. I mean, it could be, like I say, I don't know. I'm not purporting to be an exact historian, but I'm saying, look at the statistics. Just name the most, let's just name the great influential people of our time. 
All right, I brought up one. I brought Stephen Hawking. You could bring up Albert Einstein. You could bring up Louis Pasteur. You could bring up Freud. You could bring up Darwin. You can bring up the philosopher Wittgenstein. You can bring up Descartes. You could bring up Locke. You could bring up, uh, uh, let's just keep going. You could bring up, uh, Caesar. Now I'm not always talking about good or bad. I'm saying, you know, people that Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar. You could talk about, uh, uh, Aristotle, Socrates, Plato. Remember, Aristotle was taught by Plato and Plato was taught by Socrates and Socrates we don't know much about, right? But it was knowledge externally passed on. You would learn from another mentor. Alexander the Great was mentored and learned externally from Aristotle. Gandhi had a mentor. Martin Luther King Jr. learned externally. He had, I forget the guy's name, it was a, a doctor from, a PhD from Atlanta who taught Martin Luther King Jr. The Dalai Lama said he was mentored externally by Gandhi. Dalai Lama says this, that his mentor was Gandhi. And Gandhi speaks of several mentors that he had. And Gandhi was a very learned man. He read a lot of books. He had a formal education. He spent years learning externally. Now, does that mean that I'm so naive to think that Gandhi never sat in a room and thought and came up with an original idea? He probably did. Uh, now, just remember, most original ideas are illusions. We think we think we had original ideas. It's interesting. I did a talk uh, to a group of really high-level entrepreneurs uh, about three months ago. Guys making twenty million plus, and one of them came, and he had always been anti-book, and he heard my talk, and was in my living room. I was practicing for my TED talk, and he said, "Ty, you've revolutionized my life. I'm now learning. I'm reading a book every couple days." And I saw him the other day down on Sunset Boulevard. I was down. At my Cafe Primo down by Sunset Plaza. And he walked by and, and he was talking. He said, you know, Ty, I've always loved philosophy. And I always thought all these ideas were mine. That I, He's like, I would go in a room and just come up with these ideas. And I had the illusion that they were mine. And then I realized, God, all these ideas someone else has already had. And they did them better than me. And he said it was so humbling. And he said, but you know, it's cool. Now I'm learning from them. And I'm building upon those building blocks. So... Uh, I will, again, so there is another side that I do believe. I believe like uh, Pascal said, Blaise Pascal. He said all of human, all of humanity's problems stem from the inability for man to sit alone. You know, and think. That's what he was saying. So Joel Salatin, one of my first mentors, extremely focused on learning externally. He reads books all the time. He goes and travels the world and learns from other people's farms and other people's philosophies and listens intently. But he says, you know, Ty, I need downtime to process it and it helps me come up with my own original ideas, right? So there, there's room for originality, but I will tell you, the more you learn and the more you read and the more you go down this path I'm talking, the harder you will see it is to ever have a truly original thought. Most of the books, there's 130 million published books. Most of them, all of the thoughts in those 130 books are contained in a thousand of the top books. Meaning, the other 129,999,000 books are probably not that important. Now, I don't mean that. I mean, I've written some books that are in that category of not that important. So I'm not saying I'm important. I'm saying, I'm being humble and I'm saying... My ideas probably aren't that important to you in relationship to what you can learn from Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Locke, uh, Bach, even musicians. You know, they didn't write words. They wrote sounds. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> I think I might be catching cold here. Um, so, be very very careful when you feel you have the illusion of an original idea. Like John Wooden says about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 
God didn't make many Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. God didn't make many Michael Jordans. God didn't make any Pele, many Pele soccer players. In fact, the reason we all know the word Pele is he was so rare that the whole world watched him. Michael Jordan, a hundred million people play ba- basketball in the world. And that one guy was head and heels above everybody. He was coming up with original basketball moves. People still copying his moves. So there are original people. They're extremely rare. And they're so rare that, uh, that it's almost unimportant for you and I to think about. What we should focus on is downloading the best thoughts into our brain and then hoping that over time we can build them into some creative structure in our own life. The odds of them being truly original are very low and there's nothing wrong with that. Who cares? Why do we have to be so proud that we have to think we're going to have all these amazing ideas? Now, someone brought up Ty and I've heard this from many people actually. You should do ayahuasca. You sh- you need to do a mind expansion. You need to understand the wisdom of the East and, you know, Eastern thought. Now, I got a couple thoughts on this. I hope I don't offend anybody. Um, first of all, I've spent an incredible amount of my life on a spiritual journey. So I'm not a novice. I've been to 51 countries in great part study. I've hunted down and tracked down some of the great thinkers in various uh, uh, you know, kind of consciousness. I've been to India. You know, I've been all over the world. You name it. I've been to the middle of the rainforest. The, I've been in an, I went to Panama a long time ago in the Darien jungle. I went to a tribe. We went 17 hours by canoe. And these people had, we were, I was the first white person they'd ever seen. They're still hunting with bow and arrows. I've seen a few things in my day. Doesn't mean I know everything. I'm just, I'm not an absolute, I get, sometimes people think because they see my stand now and they're like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the other side. I'm like, be very careful when you say that to anybody. You'd be surprised what they might do and they still might disagree with you. I've seen the East. I haven't seen it all. I have not seen it all. But I grew up with a mother very into Eastern kind of thought and spirituality. And while I see some validity to it, overall, I find it to be much less likely to be accurate than other thoughts. You know, Jesus Christ, who is an Eastern thinker, okay? And I'm not religious. This is not a religious conversation. I'm just kind of showing a point. He said, you will judge a fruit, okay? Judge a fruit. I'm sorry, judge a tree by its fruit. He said, you don't have to ask a tree if it's an apple tree. You look at the fruit. So let's look at the fruit around the world. Where would you like to live? India? India still has leprosy. Now, am I judging whole nations? No, no. India has tremendous innovation and amazing people. I went there. I've been there. I had an office that a company working with me. Tremendous amount of good things about India. But I will pull no punches. I'm a straight talker. They have tremendous problems. The erosion in their country, the population issues, the depth of poverty, the depth of sanitation issues. Uh, and this is the seat of Eastern thought. Just remember, I mean, I've done Kung Fu. I I'm actually have a, when I was younger, I got an official thing. I did Shaolin Kung Fu. My teacher was from the Shaolin Temple. I've seen the East, and and I know India is even the hub. Even Chinese Kung Fu originates from India. I do not look at India and say, well, the fact that it's Eastern, it's somehow perfect knowledge. Everything in my book has to stand the test of time, has to stand the, it has to stand on its own merit and say, here's the evidence why you must believe that what we do leads to a more uh, effective civilization. I do not believe that the evidence is clear cut that the East is doing so well compared to the West. Where would you want to break your leg in a car accident? Burma or England? Now, I know that it's a very slippery slope of logic that I'm bringing up. I understand causation and correlation. I understand that there are multi-factor, multiple factors that could be at play. I, you know, 
Guns, Germs, and Steel talks about this. Rich Landis talks about the wealth of nations, why some nations are wealthy and some are poor. And it's not just because one is Christian or one is Muslim or one is Buddhist. It's not that simple to explain the world, you know, Landis and, 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 uh, the, uh, the Pulitzer Prize winner, um, uh, here in UCLA who wrote Guns, Germs, and Steel, you know, they say there's other factors. There's latitude and longitude. There's parasite issues. There's multiple issues. So you can't just narrow it down to one factor. Nonetheless, though, if you use logic and we use what's called Occam's razor, which is when all else fails and when things are not clear to use the simplest explanation, I, I, do, I feel like I could validly say that it's not <clears throat> out of the question that some of the confusion in certain countries, certain third world countries, stems from their thoughts and their philosophies. A caste system, whether it be in India or, and to me, the United Kingdom has a sort of caste system, a bourgeois, if you're royalty, if you're blue blood, that this leads to a certain outcome. And that outcome is not one that I think is more most effective for civilization. I think it's a rule of how human behavior, that if you categorize people into caste based on what you're born, you will have a less effective civilization. And I think you see the rise and fall of the British Empire in part due to this mentality. Whereas the American system, and I'm not so patriotic to America that I overlook America has a tremendous amount of problems. Don't get me wrong. We have tremendous governmental problems we have poverty issues we have crime issues we have obesity issues i mean god my god so i'm this is not a talk about how i'm saying america's great and everything but on some things america's head and shoulders above everybody else i was very surprised as i traveled the world over the last 10 years i always had this thought that europe would be so advanced but as i begin to travel to europe i mean just a couple of weeks ago, I went to nine countries in 10 days on business, meeting with you know top business people in every country. And I saw there is something that's happened in the United States that's very effective when it comes to creating creative ideas in business. And I believe it stems from a certain philosophy of life, which is one of not necessarily seeing all the answers are within. America has tremendous uh, science side and I'm not completely pro-science by the way science can skew things if you look at pharmaceutical companies how they can easily skew the research by just spending more money on certain research and ignoring the others um, I, I don't think it's so cut and dry that the west is perfect and the east isn't but there's some trend showing up in the world look at who's putting out Nobel Prize winners look at who's advancing technology and not just technology for the sake of technology as you know i lived in the amish for two and a half years there's a part of me that's very luddite meaning luddites by the way are people who are not pro technology i'm not 100 percent pro technology the amish had a lot of wisdom but again i see patterns and i think it's like i said occam's razor there's nothing hallowed about this eastern thought right there's nothing hallowed about it. The thought that we must go inward. So, you know, my friend said, you should take ayahuasca. If you don't know what that is, it's a drug you take. It, they do it. You go to a shaman. It's in various countries. A lot of it's in South America. You go to Brazil. You go to Colombia. You go to these different places. And they basically can give you a controlled substance. And people have visions. It's kind of like if you read Timothy Leary back in the 60s and the 70s, he was a really smart I think he was a Harvard professor who dropped out, got into dropping acid and so on. And he really was a proponent of using drugs to expand the mind. And look, here's the thing. The people that I see as advancing civilization, they're just not big ayahuasca people. And I believe life is about playing the odds. You never know. I was talking to somebody. It's called bounded rationality. The way our brain works, as far as I understand it, is that today... I had a hundred choices. I could have gotten in my car, driven to Mexico, could have driven to San Francisco, I could have gotten a plane and went to Africa. But my mind doesn't want to constantly be having to sort through that many options. So what it does is naturally seals off my brain and gives me 
abounds. That's why they call it bounded rationality. And it limits the, my thought so that I don't go insane, right? When I go to a, uh, look at what restaurant I want to eat, I don't consider every single restaurant. There's probably 10,000 restaurants around me in Los Angeles. I don't go through each one and do an Excel spreadsheet and do heads or tails, right? I do some bounded rationality. I pick the top 20 restaurants that I like and that I've had good experience and I pick through those. It keeps me sane. It also saves me time. We don't have the time or even the glycogen in our brain. So in the same way, as you're going through your life, you're going to have unlimited options. You have the option to take ayahuasca. You have the op- option to take acid. You have the option to believe in Eastern uh, thought in Confucianism, in Taoism, in Buddhism, your own blend of it. You can get into shamans. You can become a vegetarian. You can become a vegan. One of my brothers became a fruititarian. The, the world offers you unlimited choices. But you must remember that we all have some level of bounded rationality. You will run out of years of your life before you're able to adequately test everything. So you need a framework, whether we're talking about Eastern religion versus or eastern thought versus western whether going inward and meditating to get answers versus what i'm talking about of getting answers externally so here's how i uh i think of it and this might be helpful to you you're gonna have to play the odds you will run out of life like the dutch saying we are too soon old and too late smart you want to be smart young or at least relatively young. You don't want to figure out life at 90. That's why I call this, you know, crusade of mine, not crusade, this mission of mine is called Grand Theory of Everything because I'm trying to figure tongue-in-cheek everything out. Obviously, I'm never everyone's going to figure everything out, but I like to set high goals and big goals and see if I can't pull it off. I'm looking for a general framework of understanding the world, like E equals MC squared. I'm looking for kind of a less physics one. And one of those grand theories of everything is that you must create a framework on how to decide the philosophies and the viewpoints on life you're going to accept. And I'm going to propose to you that you do it based on the most likely. So look around you. (coughs) Are the people that are benefiting and moving society forward, are they doing it by taking a lot of acid? Are the people you know who take drugs whether it be ayahuasca, whether it be marijuana, whether it be, you know, any other kind of hallucinogenic drug, are those the people that seem to be moving civilization forward? If they are, then proceed down that path. If they aren't, then don't. Now, I know you could say, well, what about original thought? Maybe there had to be a first one to take it. Hey, play the odds. Life is like a poker hand. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. You got to know when to go, you know what? I could take ayahuasca. It could be great, but I'm going to fold that hand because as I look out on the globe, I do see a pattern of what uh, is is moving civilization forward, what's benefiting pe- the world, what's making people healthier, wealthier, have more love in their life and more happiness in their life. And I don't believe that the primary way is through chemical bias so we call it the distortion of the mind freud talked about it in civilization and its discontents and so does uh you know charlie munger in his modern day works on cognitive biases do i think drugs are horrible do i think uh let me just say i think the odds are against you i think for every one step forward you're going to take two steps backward i've seen the fruit of the tree of people who take a lot of drugs and I don't like it and I don't it's not because I'm trying to do a crusade I'm not crusading against anything anybody who knows me know that I'm not even religious or coming at it from some moral do-gooder standpoint there's plenty of things I do that I think I there's plenty of stands of morality that I don't think are, are effective and so I don't care about them in this case of drugs in order to get enlightenment I think at best it's a once or twice uh, a lifetime thing. You know, the Native Americans, I studied the Sioux Indians extensively, uh, the Comanches, the Apaches, they all had some, you know, whether it be mescaline or some form of mushrooms or 
some drug. If you go into South America and Central America, they had some drug. But again, I don't know that that was the. There's nothing hallowed to me about Apache Indians. I know all of I. One of my first loves of books was to study Native Americans. I mean, the Comanche and Apache, they used to skin people alive, kids and women. They're not necessarily more enlightened than you and I. The fact that they do, shamans, nothing necessarily more enlightened than them. Go live with the shamans in South America. Tell me if there's something, you know, this noble savage thing has been debunked at every level, whether it be Margaret Mead who wrote a, you know, about this uh, idealistic Tahitian or some Polynesian island that everybody was perfect. It turned out to be wrong. She was basing it on lies. There was that um, hoax in the Philippines where there was supposedly some, you know, just noble savages. No one ever found the noble savages. There was humans. What's more powerful than quote unquote, uh, you know, noble savage is the way our brains are wired and our brains are wired socially. There's this great book. I, I mentioned this, this book called social, uh, I keep forgetting the author's name, but he basically says the default state of the human mind is social. That's why you have to learn from without. It's not some rocket science. We're wired to learn from the external. Like I said, you can't learn one plus one except from another person. It took thousands of years for people to come up with the concept of the zero. You and I learned the zero instantly. Do you think that the world is flat? No, you know the world's round. You learned it instantly. And you took it for granted that that came from external and came from other people. You take it for granted that germs exist. People didn't know that for thousands. Aristotle and Plato didn't know that germs existed. Neither did George Washington, you know. Gandhi didn't know the stuff that we know now. He was born in the 1800s. There's credible amount of things that he didn't know that we know now. There's nothing hallowed or sacred. We can learn from many people. But we must continue to move forward and build and build upon not one person, but a body of thought. If you can call this science if you want, or if so many people have this visceral anti-science reaction, okay, if that's you, use a different word. Call it body of knowledge. I mean, science to me is not what well, most people, it's not test tubes, it's a process. It's saying we throw something out there as a hypothesis, we do it for a while, we look at the results, we get feedback from external sources, and if we can't find evidence, then we tweak it and come up with a new hypothesis until we event. I mean, how? what could be more effective than that? Nothing. Even, like I'm saying, the hardwiring of our brain is designed to le learn externally. How can we be so proud as to say we will bypass the hard coding of our brain? You won't do it. If you try to hold your breath till you faint, you can't do it. Your brain will override you in the same way. When you try to learn internally versus externally, your brain will fight you at every turn and you will be a hundred years old and still not have learned English and still not know how to do one plus one or understand the zero, what a negative is, or you'll still think the world's flat. If you choose to not learn externally and only go within, you will be ignorant on some of the most important things because the universe, you can call it the universe. If you're not religious, you could call it nature. If you're religious, you could say God built us to learn from other people. And you, you even see that. It's funny. In most of the major religions, a book was passed down, whether it's Islam, Christianity, or Judaism, in Confucianism, it's the same thing. Even in Buddhism, it's a body of knowledge passed on to, and there's followers and there's leaders. So even in those areas, someone brought up Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus Christ learned from external because most of what Jesus Christ quoted was the Old Testament, right? He spoke of the past. He learned externally. He learned in the temple. He learned from his parents. So again, the evidence is very thin, although it is possible that everything I've said on this call or, or this talk is 100% wrong. If 50 years from now or 50 days from now, it becomes air evident that the evidence is piling up, that people are going on desert islands and coming up 
and just they're born on a desert island and they just magically are coming up with genius ideas, uh, then I would be like, great, let's adjust my theory. I was inaccurate. I think we get too stuck and we're too hardwired from school to think about right or wrong. We don't want to be right or wrong. It's not that. We want to be accurate. Forget right or wrong. That's an archaic term. We've moved beyond that in the world. It should be about accurate or inaccurate. In the world, we and I know you can get as trippy and far out with me as you want. You can talk about multiple universe theory. You know, Stephen Hawking believes in it. A lot of the top physicists in the world. So you might say, well, Ty, that's just your reality. And you're right. There might be another universe out there, a simultaneous universe that exists right now, okay, where everything I'm talking about is BS. There might be a universe where you don't learn anything from books or externally. You just learn. But you know what? Whatever number universe we live in now, universe 55332217, I'm talking about what's most seems to be most accurate in this one. And in this universe I'm in, if you drive 60 miles an hour and you slam on the brakes, you're probably going to put your face through the window if you don't have a seatbelt on. So you better... Humble yourself and put that seatbelt on and play the odds in the same way. In this universe, you and I live in right now, four, 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 six, seven, eight, nine, two. It seems pretty apparent that most of the ways that we are moving forward, that we are learning, that we are becoming more involved, evolved and more enlightened is from us collecting the thoughts of other people bringing them into our brain and of course like pascal says sitting in a room alone and thinking about them recombining those thoughts but those are those thoughts are not ours we're recombiners of other people's thoughts if you think you're coming up with new philosophical questions you probably haven't read enough because people have already come up with these if you think that most people move civilization forward, whether it be, remember, 50 years ago, black people were having to drink out of water fountains. Uh, different water fountains, I should say. A hundred years ago, or 150 years ago, the Supreme Court in the United States was saying black people weren't fully humans, that women couldn't vote. My grandma was born in Germany in 1918, when she was 21, 22 years old, Adolf Hitler was burning Jews and turning them into soap and giving them to, you know, Germans. My grandma said, I never got over Germany. It was supposed to be a civilized, civilized nation and they were melting their neighbors into soap. Literally. So we have moved forward in the year we are in today. And the reason we're moved forward is because the free exchange of knowledge more books have been read last year than I think in the history of all the statistics they've been keeping. The average American's reading 17 books. Uh, there's still a lot of problems in the world, but I'm saying we're still going forward. Where else would you rather live? And the reason we're going forward is because everything you enjoy is being pushed forward by a group of people that are not saying we're meditating to find out how to make United Airlines fly you from Los Angeles to New York. There was no meditation involved in that. There was people that spent their life learning about math and physics and engineering and then learning from other engineers who went before them and improving on that and constantly an evolution of knowledge. It wasn't one guy just saying, I don't need to know anything. I will go in a room and I will just magically all the, the how to build an airplane will come into my head. It's an evolution, and evolution demands that you build upon the past. Charles Darwin's theory of evolution in late 1800s is the most powerful. I'm not even talking about biology. I'm just talking about think about it's how thought goes forward. It's how civilizations get better. It's how cars get better. They evolve. We go, okay, we used to build a car from there. A hundred engineers built that car that way. We're going to take their knowledge and we're going to improve on it. But yet... We're learning from them externally. We're recombining the elements that they already had, and we're constantly moving forward. And generally, one out of a million people is the person who has enough IQ horsepower to come up with these ideas. So there are people that do have much more potential 
it's just probably not you and I listening to this call. I know that might offend somebody, but I'm throwing myself honestly in that category. Uh, it takes a very rare gift from the universe for you to have enough brain power to actually make a big leap forward. Even guys like Nicholas Tesla that were immensely talented, they had all these mentors. They did not sit in a room. They did not get it internally. They got it externally. Like I said, Tesla was one of the best students. He had a photographic memory. He read it in a tremendous amount of books. He had mentors who were mathematicians. He partnered with Edison, one of the great invest inventors of all time. And he was able to look at how Edison was building uh, these uh, uh, motors, whatever, DC current motors or AC. I'm not sure how it was. But, of course, now Tesla did do some real innovation that probably was unique in history. But he was an immensely talented guy, just like Stephen Hawking's paralyzed and sit in a chair. But he's still classically trained. He still learned from other people. And then he took their thoughts and was able to make a leap forward. The people who actually can leap forward are very rare. Very rare. They're about, they come about about as often as a Pele, the soccer player, as a Michael Jordan, the baseball, a basketball player, as an Einstein, the physicist, as a, you know, uh, Darwin coming up with a theory. Even Darwin, another guy came up with a theory for Darwin. Bill Gates, he didn't come up with DOS. He bought it from somebody for 50 grand. Warren Buffett built externally upon the teachings of Benjamin Graham, who was one of the great teachers at Wharton and it came up with how the valuation of bonds and valuation of corporations uh, or stock. And then over time, then Buffett ran into Munger, who had a different way of investing, and he they amalgamated and mixed it around or combined other people's ideas and eventually came up with a somewhat unique, but not that unique. I just read the story of Ray A. Kroc. The great businessman became the richest man in America. He didn't do it by going internally and sitting in a room and going, taking ayahuasca or taking acid, dropping acid and coming up with the idea for McDonald's. He found two McDonald's brothers. He found two McDonald's brothers and licensed the idea for McDonald's. He took their ideas, their name. He even, he said they have the French fry machines they had come up with, la da 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 da. And the McDonald's brothers had gotten it from somebody else. It's this slow evolution that moves things forward. And occasionally there's a Nicholas Tesla or an Albert Einstein who comes up with a truly unique idea. But guys like Warren Buffett or guys like my mentor, Alan Nation, he said, Ty, I never had a great idea in my life. I just get around smart, smart people and I take their ideas and I slightly shift them. And that's what you and I are probably going to do. There may be one person on this, on this talk now listening in. You may be the next you know, uh, uh, Buddha, <laughs> you might be the next Einstein. It's just that happens once every 300 years. The next, uh, Newton, Newton maybe had some, you know, just out of the blue kind of came up with calculus. But I don't know if you talk to people from the Middle East or Iranian people, Persians, they'll say they, that, that, that they came up with algebra. I mean, I think Newton came up with more advanced forms, and he's an, definitely a very talented guy, Leonardo da Vinci. But how often do Leonardo da Vinci's come along every 500 years? Bach. But even Bach was trained. So there are people, I just want to draw that distinction. I've been trying to make it because it's a very nuanced conversation. I would say 99% of humanity is best served by learning from great people externally. By listening to the teachings, by reading the books, by doing, reading the textbooks, by listening to the audio, uh, and downloading that into your, their brain. That's 99. And I think 1% of people are served, are actually the true creators. And if you study evolution, that's pretty much how evolution works. It's not even 99 to 1. It's like 10,000 organisms live and one evolves by a random mutation or a random thought comes in. So, I mean, in some ways, evolution, we already know this evolutionary biology is basically the framework for understanding life and biology and so on. And w the way to understand it is to go, look, that's probably what's happening in terms of original ideas. Like my friend said down on Sunset he, Cafe Primo, he's like, man, I thought I had all these original ideas, but I realized I just, someone else had had them better than me. 
whatever philosophy you think you come up with, whether it's nihilistic, whatever your takes on epistemology and metaphysics and semiotics and ontology, someone probably came up with them. Really. It's very humbling. You know, it's humbling for me. The more I read is to go, wow, Ty, you always thought you're so smart, but geesh, you weren't. So Ty, humble yourself. Listen to outside sources more because that's how your brain's already wired anyway. It's not really wired to come up with that much original. Now, again, there is a place for some originality for every single human on this planet. And that does come. And that's actually, it's funny, before this whole kind of talk came about that I'm giving right now, I was planning to do a different talk called, you know, about Pascal, where Pascal says sit in a room and, and most of our problems stem from our inability to think, sit alone in a room. But he did not say original thoughts. To me, where we make mistakes in life and where you can really use quiet time and meditative type time is to sit in a room and digest the the thoughts that you've learned externally from other great people, whether it be in books or in person or mentors or things that you've watched on YouTube or things that you've seen at seminars, whatever it is. That's what that downtime to me serves. It doesn't serve as a time where I look deep into my soul and out pop something. Okay. I, I will add that, you know, there's Tom Brown, the great survivalist. He, he was trained by an Apache Indian. His, he wrote a book called grandfather. It's very Eastern. And I, I loved that book growing up. And his grandfather, you know, said, you can look at, you can look at a one square foot of earth and learn everything you need to know about the universe. And I would agree with that. So I want to add but that's still external. It's looking to nature. So one of the great ways, and even in this Tesla, when they talk about Tesla, this is something Tesla did. It's very, very powerful. Don't forget that when I say looking at books and learning from other great mentors, I'm also including nature. You know, I spent 10 years on a farm, over 10 years. Joel Salatin, the Amish, these people dropped me a tremendous amount, not just by their words, but by pointing to nature, understanding the seasons of life, understanding mother nature, understanding uh, that there's things much more powerful than humans. So I want to add to this and end by saying I'm talking about educational things, traditional things, whether they be a classroom, a mentor, a book, an audio book or YouTube. But I want to add to that framework also going out into nature and learning. Get out. I'm going to Palm Springs this weekend. I love going out there in the desert. You know, and some of our, and, and I want to, there's evidence for this. The guy who came up with Velcro, he saw how certain plants had burrs and stickies and, you know, the Navy and the Army, they're building technologies, whether it be around radar from learning, uh, learning about through nature, right? I think they, I think they call this bionics or something. There's a term for it. I forget the word in technology. Someone can remind me. But it's where you learn from nature. So, but to me, of course, nature is without. I open my eyes. I look outside. Nature uh, is not necessarily, I can't look into my, you know, close my eyes. When you close your eyes, you see yellow lights. Now, I do think there's a place for meditation. I do do some meditation myself. I just don't think it's the end-all, be-all. And like I said, if it is the end-all and be-all, present your evidence can't just find one person who lived 3,000 years ago. If you can show me, I'm glad to believe it. I hope I would be awesome if I could be so proud as to say, Ty, everything you need to know, just lock yourself in a room and you'll know everything. I'd be awesome. I would have to send me a heck of a lot of money I spent on Amazon books. Send me a heck of a lot of hours reading and listening. It'd make me feel better, make me feel more proud. As it is now, I feel like I don't know that much and I got to keep looking externally. I will also say that in a world of 7 billion people, some of the things that might have worked when you were a caveman or when you lived in the, you know, the Comanche Indians on the plains when the world was much less complicated, you probably could have got more answers within. But we live in a world that's immensely complex, that has stock derivatives, that has mortgages and interest rates, man-made things, which has modernized food, which has 
mass transportation where your mom lives in one state, your dad lives in another, where humans are going to the moon, boy, it, it, where the world is shrinking, where the rainforest is being chopped down, where the where the climate is changing at some level. I don't know. I'm not trying to get political here. I, I try to stay out of all that. I know some people swear by climate change and some don't, and some people think the world's falling to bits and some other people don't. I'm not even getting into that. I'm saying we live in a complex world, and I think everybody would agree with that. Even the Amish, I live with no electricity for two and a half years. I've lived as non-complex as you want. It's more complex than it was uh, uh, 60,000 years ago when we were all living as hunter-gatherers picking berries in the African savanna. It's a heck of a lot different. So make no mistake that some of the tools, even if we ever were supposed to learn just by going inward, that it's probably less effective every day as the world goes on, as technology becomes more advanced. That laptop or this audio that you're even listening to this, this didn't, wasn't some invention that happened in a yoga steam room that somebody was meditating and had been born on a desert island, had never learned from anybody and just looked inward. This is somebody who thought, I read something that the guy who invented, who made cell phones possible was this mathematician. It was a super hard thing. He figured it out, but he had had decades of schooling and of other people learning from other people about understanding math. Everything you like comes from people externally. Now, I hope, and I, if you want to leave a comment, email me at tytylopez.com. I would love to know the evidence. If anybody has the evidence, because I could have a blind spot here and missing so far, I've been reading a lot, heck of a lot of thousands of books, and I've been studying and keeping my eyes open. I don't see the evidence. Can you give me a long list? Because I can give you a long list. If you go on one of my websites, I have a video with a long list of people who have changed society. Whether it's Mozart, Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Mother Teresa, you name it, okay? And these are all people who learn from other people. Now, Tesla, Einstein, Bill Gates, <coughs> uh, you know, Sam Walton, whatever it is. You, some good, some bad, right? But they still learned externally. Can somebody give me the list? And, and if, I hope we can't, we go move beyond just Buddha or Jesus, people who lived thousands of years ago. I'm talking about in the last 500 years. Let's not even be that modern. The last 500 years, where's the evidence of people who locked themselves in a room? They had no education externally. They had no mentors. They didn't have many books. They were kind of born on a desert island or in a very small village, small village, and they just, miraculously came up with some amazing idea that's been important for humans. If you can find me a list, remember, if I can give you a list of 100 on the other side and you can only find one, that statistically means zero. It's an anomaly. Give me a handful. Give me 10 or 20, five even, even five. Like I said, someone gave me Tesla, but that one was not a good one because Tesla learned from without. And then he recombined it and came up with a few good ideas himself. All right, so again, this has been a little bit of a tricky talk. I hope I haven't offended anybody. The intent of this is in some ways not even me trying to expound my position. I would love for someone to enlighten me. Can you give me the examples of people who are taking mind-altering drugs? People who are basically meditating their way into massive levels of knowledge? And it needs to be important stuff. I'm not saying, I mean, look, I've had a great idea for how to move the furniture around in my house. I've had a great idea for how to, you know, change the curtain and make it the light not get in by putting this there and this stick there and weighing, balancing this. I'm not talking about those kind of ideas. I'm talking about important ideas. Curing malaria, curing polio, killing germs, killing polio, uh, eradicating <clears throat> Huge problems. Making people be able to fly across the planet. Creating nuclear energy. Getting people into space. Solving the problem of, I don't know, asthma. Creating eyeglasses so people who can't see well can see again. Electricity. You know, all the big things that have changed the world. Freud understanding the subconscious of the human mind. Right? Where is the list? Please, somebody. And I hope there is one. I'm sure there's some. 
So if you want to leave me a comment, email me one. I would love to continue this conversation. It's a very fascinating one. And more important, if you feel that this is offending you anyway, this is an important conversation that humans should be having with each other a lot in order to be able to honestly, honestly come up with good answers. We need to know how should we be learning. Peter Drucker in his book, Managing Oneself, he says it's important to understand how you learn and how you should learn. So for us, as part of the human race, and we all need to be moving this world forward, not backwards. In order to do our duty, let's participate in this conversation. What is, in your opinion, and back it up with some level of evidence, I've tried to do that here, and I'm sure I haven't done it perfectly, What's your evidence for moving things forward by people learning from others or learning from nature versus going inward? Okay, would love to hear your thoughts. Again, I think there is a little bit of room for learning internally. I think most people that think they're learning internally just are forgetting that that actually came from external. It's funny, if you go inward and you think in English, even to think in English means you're using a tool that you learned externally from your mom and your dad and your first grade class where you learned to speak English, right? The tool of language allowed you to have elaborate thoughts and share with other people and to imbibe and take in new data from other people. So even then, even the process of trying to go inward, as I talked about in that book, Social, our brain is so wired to learn socially from other people that even when you try to go inward, you're going to think, uh, you're going to think outwardly without even knowing. Now, maybe if you take some mind altering drug like, you know, ayahuasca or acid or mushrooms, your brain stops using language. And I think the brain is very complicated. My friend has, my best friend's one of the top neuro, uh, uh, researchers in the world. And he says, man, we know more about space than we know about the brain. So be very careful when you say, Oh, I went inward with this drug and I got some new insight. I've met plenty of people who take drugs, uh, with good intentions. And boy, to me, using Occam's razor, it seems to have gotten a tremendous amount of people off the right path. I'm not going to say right or wrong. Let me check myself there. It seems to have made them much more, much less effective humans. And how do I define effective? Well, people that leave the world a better place. People that are actually, now I'm not talking about who think they're leaving the world a better place. You know, a lot of people think they're leaving a better, the world a better place, but Bill Gates is, eradicating, almost done eradicating malaria, which has killed tens of millions of people. You know, I haven't done that, so he's sure as heck moved civilization forward more than me. And he didn't do it by taking ayahuasca. At least, maybe he did. <laughs> maybe maybe he did. Uh, uh, I know Steve Jobs said Bill Gates should have taken more drugs. He would have had more original ideas, but uh, I think... Uh, in the long run, Steve Jobs might eat those words because Bill Gates, and, and I'm not a huge Bill Gates fan. I don't want anyone to take this. that he, I'm like an idol. He's my idol. But boy, he's going to end up, when he dies, having affected the world in a massively, prob- I mean, positive way. Massively. Read up on what he's doing. So Steve Jobs may have gotten that one wrong. Uh, he might be surprised what that guy did without taking any mind-altering drugs. Am I completely against mind-altering drugs? You know, to me, it's a relevant point. I don't know. It just seems like it's not that important of a conversation. It doesn't seem to be the weak link. It doesn't seem to be like, you know what's missing in the world? More people taking drugs. I live in California. I see a lot of people taking legal drugs. I don't walk around when I meet people go, you know what, this guy used to be way off track, but boy, he smokes weed all the time now, and boy, he seems to really be making the world a better place now. That's not my experience. I think it's a very uh, inaccurate uh, kind of way of looking at the world to think that's even remotely what's happening. That's not really what's happening out there, guys. Let's be honest. Maybe they're not taking the right drugs. Maybe it's only ayahuasca with a shaman or something like that. Maybe there's some 
inward way of meditating that I don't know about, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. I've done a lot of stuff. Like I said, Shaolin Temple, I've done Qigong. I've tested intently with my heart in it, many different forms of religions. A religion. I'm not saying I'm on the right path. I'm, I'm still learning, but I, I'm seeing clues out there. I tell people, you know, I have this 67 frameworks you need to become a millionaire. I've been developing these as I traveled around the world and I've got them here. I'm staring at them and got these boards all over, these whiteboards. And one of the frameworks I, that I teach is read the obvious signs. Just read the obvious signs around the world. Does it seem like Eastern thought is, which encourages meditation to get answers? Does it seem? Like the world of the East is so far superior. Would you rather live there? Go live there. Get sick there. Look at how they treat the poor. Look at how they treat dogs. Go to India. I mean, it, it, I remember seeing just... Now, again, I'm picking on India because there's a lot of amazing people in India. It's, it's, I was reading uh, Adam Carolla's book about if he was president. He says India has a tremendous amount of range. They have... Massive amount of medical doctors and then they have absolute poverty. But see, that comes from a philosophy, an Eastern philosophy, which includes a caste system. It's not something I, I'm that I want to emulate. I hope my children don't live in a world where there's a caste system. Now, I know that's kind of old school and I know in a certain way India, I think, has pretty much gotten rid of the formal caste system. But everything that glitters isn't gold. Everything that looks cool and foreign is not necessarily that good. A lot of us like to bash that that world that we live in. But boy, you wouldn't want to get out of it now, would you? You wouldn't want to go live in a world where you can catch leprosy. It still exists. Only place in the world that leprosy exists. Doesn't exist in Sweden. Now, you might say that's the climate, and there's some truth to that. Sweden's a colder weather place but at some level it's because sweden has adopted a different innate philosophy on learning on learning and i don't want to go down that that's not really the point i'm not trying to talk about the superiority of nations i'm pretty sure you can go through i think there's 190 some sovereign nations in the world it's 190 or maybe 290 sovereign i'm pretty sure you can go through every country in the world and rip it you know and say this country sucks for this reason this country's good for this reason but sucks for this reason it's like people you can poke holes in america i can poke holes in france i can poke holes in russia india china that's not the point of this conversation the point is i'm looking for big picture patterns to create frameworks so i can create a grand theory to understand this bounded rationality rationality make the most likely uh, the most likely uh, accurate choice. You must do the same for your life. Don't hold anything sad, sacred uh, that does not hold up to scrutiny. Ask for evidence. Don't be afraid. Don't believe something just because Buddha said it. Why? Make sure that what Buddha said works. Don't look too much inward. Question yourself. Like the saying says, make war with a, cult, a multitude of counselors. War in this sense is life, right? Look at even uh, the Chinese philosopher Sun Tzu, Art of War. He says, if you only know yourself, for every battle you win, you will lose one, right? You must know yourself, and he said you must know the enemy. And in that case, you could reword it. It's not enough to just go inward. You must know external. The enemy represented outside of you. So maybe that's the best framework. And that's an Eastern thinker. That's a Chinese thinker. You must know yourself at a certain level. That's kind of going inward. But you, if you only know yourself, you're going to go backwards. And in general, the thought of knowing oneself is really an unenlightened understanding of how the brain works. When we understand ourselves, we're doing it with tools that we learned externally, whether they be the language, whether they be the logic to have careful thought. This came from people that we learned from, whether it be Aristotle, Socrates, Freud, Darwin, Wittgenstein, Gandhi. We're all the amalgamation of other people. 
be humble. This is the most humble way, even though in some ways I feel people think I'm being proud to believe this. I'm not. I'm saying I don't have the answers. Go outward. Look for accuracy. Eliminate right or wrong in your brain. Look for what's more accurate and then proceed that way. Look, and you will never know 100% what's accurate. Like Descartes, the philosopher talked about. It's hard to, everything you can doubt. He spoke of this. That's why he said when he removed everything from his life that possibly could be wrong, he was only left with math, he said, and numbers and arithmetic. That was with Descartes final kind of place he came to or one of the places he came to. And so for you, go through that exercise. Eliminate those things that don't stand up to some scrutiny of evidence and numbers. Play your life is like a poker game. You have choices every day, especially in the modern world, like Barry Schwartz talks about in, in, uh, you know, the paradox of choice. We have tremendous choices. So you must now play the hand that's the most likely to win. And I'm proposing that the framework I talked about of looking externally is more likely to win. If you look around at the obvious evidence of civilization, of individual nations, of individual governments, and of individual people. If your goal is to live the good life, certain ways of thought will get you there quicker than others. You don't want to get there through delusion. You want to see clearly. You don't want to trick yourself into doing it. You want to honestly and accurately see it. So that's my thoughts. Please leave a comment or email me. I would really like to know if there's some uh, you know, examples that I'm missing here. Not just one, but give me a handful. And not from thousands of years ago that could potentially be a mythological. We're not going to talk about Thor and Zeus and Apollo here, right? Because you can't say, well, Thor learned from internal because we don't know if Thor was real and he probably wasn't, right? It's a Nordic mythological character. So let's talk about someone in the last couple hundred years. If you could give me that, uh, if, if I'm missing something else here, and again, I'm only talked about this for whatever, I don't know, an hour. This is an eight hour conversation. Uh, so I will talk to you soon. Uh, leave me a comment. I do these book of the days on my website. I read a book a day and I leave a, uh, I send out to a million and a half people my summaries of the books. They're free. If that would be helpful to you, check me out on uh, tylopez.com. Also my Twitter at tylopez. Instagram is tylopez and the number one. My Facebook is tylopez official. My YouTube channel is also tylopez official. See a little pattern there. <laughs> and uh, so signing off here from Hollywood, California at one thirty at night. I should be in bed, but uh, wanted to share this while it was still on my mind. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much. 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 Thanks so much.